We invite us to listen now for our second scripture reading, which is the final chapter of the book of Jonah. Immediately prior to our reading, Jonah has announced the coming judgment of God upon the city of Nineveh. The citizens of Nineveh repent and God forgives them. And then this happens. But this was very displeasing to Jonah and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from punishment. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there and sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared the sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And Jonah said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? And also many animals. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Well, we have been journeying with Jonah for a few weeks now when the story finally comes to conclusion. Actually, it's better to say it just stops than concludes. The story ends with God and Jonah in mid-conversation. God asks, Jonah, why are you angry? Shouldn't I be concerned about the city? There are 120,000 people there. Not only that, Jonah, there are lots of animals. Jonah, have you been thinking about the animals? No, he's not been thinking about the animals. Now, who's been thinking about the animals? Uh, Let's back up. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. Assyria invaded Israel. They conquered the northern part of Israel, everything north of Jerusalem. 
the Assyrian Empire maintained control over conquered peoples by mixing them up, scattering them across the empire, trying to uh, dissolve relationship, erode culture by mixing people all together. The result is that the 10 northern tribes of Israel are scattered across the empire and lost. The hatred for the Assyrians, therefore, was deep and long-lasting. To be gracious to the Assyrians was too much for Jonah. His disgust fills his speech. He protests and storms out of the city. The only thing that Jonah finds positive is this bush that grows up overnight. It provides a bit of shade a bit of shade to comfort him from the heat of the burning sun and from the steam coming out of his ears. But then just as quickly, this comfort is taken away as the bush dies overnight. Jonah can't handle it anymore. He throws another temper tantrum. And God says, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah says, yes, angry enough to die. And God says, you wanna die because of what happened to the bush? But you didn't create the bush. The bush doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. I am the creator of this bush. You see where God is going with this argument. So also, I created the Ninevites. They belong to me. Shouldn't I care for them, Jonah? They are my own as well. Should I not care those 120,000 Ninevites who do not know their left hand from their right? And also the animals, Jonah. Have you been thinking at all about the animals? What animals? What are we talking about here? Now, I admit, we may have a division in the house on this. For some people, animals are far preferred to people. I've known, I've known some people who appear to love their pets more than their children. At our house, though, it turns out we sort of failed as pet people. We had a cat for about 15 years. It clawed all of our furniture, would leave dead bunnies on the welcome mat at the front door. It loved to sit in your lap, but our cat, when it sat in your lap, she drooled all over you. I didn't think cats were supposed to do that. It was awful. She was an outside cat. She loved that too, so we let her roam. About 10 years ago, Carol and I moved from one neighborhood in Kansas City to another, and our cat began to explore the new neighborhood. She liked it. She liked it a lot. As a matter of fact, about three months in, she moved in with a family down the street. She upgraded. <laughs> I was very broken up about it. So... If God said to me, Tom, have you considered the animals? No, no, God, I, I, I haven't been thinking about the animals. Now, don't think pets here. Think oxen and goats, possums. Think possums. In Jonah's day, they didn't have pets. They had animals. They weren't pets. They were livelihood. But why in the world does this book end with God asking Jonah, and haven't you been thinking about the animals? If I understand the text, this story pushes us by reminding us 
that the grace of God is always more expansive than we imagine. This story reminds you and me as people of faith that we are always struggling to keep up with the ever-expanding love of God. And as soon as we think we may have a grasp on it, as soon as we think we may be drawing close, God moves ahead and we are left to catch up once again. As soon as Jonah, like it or not, begins to admit, begins to face that the love of God is poured out on his enemy, then God says, but don't, don't forget the animals. You know I love my animals. We are always struggling to keep up with the grace of God. When I first, uh, when I first moved to Kansas City, I was serving the village church there. It was a larger church than I had served before. The learning curve was steep. In my first couple of years there, I began to have this recurring dream. Have you ever had recurring dreams? I, I, I had this recurring dream. I, I, would, I would be driving to the church and I would arrive at the church and notice that the parking lot was just overflowing. And it was only then that I remembered there was a major event happening and I was supposed to be there. I, of course, was late. Sometimes it was a memorial service uh, or once I was to introduce a nationally known speaker. Once it was actually Easter Sunday and I, and I was late in my dream and I had to park a couple of blocks away and I got out of my car and I start running to the church. This is embarrassing. And as soon, as soon as I reached the parking lot of the church, in my dream, the church building actually stood up on legs and ran two blocks down the road. <laughs> so I keep going. And in my dream, it is my testimony, I never caught up with the church. We, when it comes to God, that's kind of our posture. It doesn't require a trained therapist to interpret my dream. Sometimes we all feel like we can't keep up. Sometimes it's schedules, sometimes it's demands. It's pretty common feeling to feel that life is leaving us behind from time to time. But when it comes to God, the ways of God are always further out there. We never quite grasp them. It's been my experience as God's children that as soon as we expand our perspective on the grace of God, on the ways of God, on the inclusive love of God, as soon as we think we've wrapped our heads around that, God moves on. And we realize our new perspective is not the end of the journey. It's just one more step. Just as Jonah is wrapping his head around God's grace being poured out on his enemies, God says, but not just the Assyrians, Jonah. Don't forget about these animals. You know how I love these animals. And Jonah finds his imagination stretched even more. It is so easy for us to move through life judging who is in and who is out who is deserving, who is not, 
who belongs, who does We don't even think about it. We just do it. We just judge who is right and who is insignificant. And yet God sees us with a different lens. She sees all that is beautiful and broken in us. She sees all that is valuable and all that is worthless. Sees all the faithfulness and all the failures that make up our lives. And God cares about all of that. But what seems to be the most consistent attribute of God is God refuses to let go of us. God holds on. Jonah, the people belong to me. Jonah, the bush belongs to me. Jonah, the animals belong to me. Why would you think I would ever let go of any that belong to me? I think God is like that. Us, on the other hand, we're not always. When it comes to living in a gracious manner, when it comes to offering grace to others, we can be kind of clumsy with that from time to time. I can be gracious in moments, you can too, but I never completely catch up. There are times when I treat others with kindness and respect and dignity, and there are other times when I fall flat, I come up short, the ways of God leave me behind. Am I making any sense to you? Theologian Hans Kung, who wrote a book on being Christian, and in the preface, he makes this statement. He says, the author writes this book not because he believes himself to be a particularly good Christian, but because he believes being Christian is a particularly good thing. I read, a kid, I read about a kid named Ben Coleman. He ran cross country in South Carolina he ran every race in high school and people would show up to watch him run, which was an interesting thing because not only did Ben never win a race, he always, every single time, came in last. Now, why do you suppose people would drop everything on an autumn Saturday to go watch a kid run who you know is not going to win? Ben had cerebral palsy. It seized the muscles and contorted his body, leaving him to lunge and falter. He would run and trip over twigs or his own feet. It would take a better part of the morning for him to run that 3.1 mile race. In almost every race he fell, and when he did, he fell hard because he couldn't react to catch himself. When he finally crossed the finish line, he was often bloodied about the elbows and knees. But every Saturday he ran, and every Saturday people waited. And when he got near the finish line, the rest of the kids on his team, and often kids from other teams, they would run out and meet him, and they would all cross the finish line together. Grown men in that town, they would be twisting their jaws, trying to keep the tears in their eyes and off of their faces. Why do you suppose the whole town turns out to watch a kid run who's never going to win? 
I think they watch because in the midst of the clumsiness, it's all so beautiful. I think they watch Ben Komen because they know there's so much like him or maybe they want to be like him, not with cerebral palsy, but because they know that when it comes to the things that matter most, we are often clumsy. When it comes to the things, to the ways of God, to the grace of God and forgiveness, we, we are often a bit clumsy. And maybe they watch to remind themselves, you don't have to be particularly good at it to do a particularly good thing. This is the truth of us. The love of God comes to us where we are, but the love of God refuses to leave us as we are. Faith is a journey to a better life, a better self, a better world, a better city. And we make progress. Some say we don't, but we do. We make progress, but we never quite catch up. For as soon as we get close to who we think God is calling us to be, God moves on. And we can sometimes, can sometimes leave us feeling we're in a race we're never going to win. We stumble and fall and make a mess of things. And then we come back here to this sanctuary and we hear God say, Have you remembered the animals? Have you thought about how expansive my love is? Have you remembered that I will never let go of any that belong to me? So come on, keep running. You may not be particularly good at it, but keep running. Because in the things that matter most, we can be rather clumsy at times. But maybe by the grace of God, we will find ourselves stumbling in the right direction. And who knows, God may look at us and think it beautiful. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.